When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Welcome back to Not Another True Crime Podcast. I'm Sarah Levine. Danny is out, but I am very excited to be here with a special guest. You probably know her and love her if you listen to the SUP podcast. We have our news director at Betches, Amanda Duberman. Hi, Sarah. I haven't been at this mic for a while. Thank oh you my for gosh. inviting me, for giving me the honor. <laughs> I haven't been on this physical mic in a while. Either. Really? Yeah, we've been recording from home. So yeah, yeah. happy to have you and, and talk to you in studio. I know. I know. I'm ex- I'm ex- I mean, excited. I did DM you as soon as I finished yeah. watching what we're going to talk about. An so honor. like, I, I, I hope Danny is well, but I don't mind pitch hitting today. Yes, I was going to say, it's, it's always an honor when like my friend's immediately text me and they're like okay are you watching this documentary oh good I'm glad I'm glad because sometimes I'm like I have to keep myself from like I'm sure your listeners know Dylan like I have to keep myself (laughs) from being like texting him every time I have an opinion about the housewife because I'm like everybody's doing this okay I'll text you then because I'm like who can I text I text Danny Murphy obviously okay and then I'm like yeah I should leave Dylan alone us with access to Dylan and Danny is really really spoiled (laughs) so true we really have the tea yeah yeah but today we're going to be talking about the Natalia Grace documentary i feel initially i thought this was going to be like a one and done one shot thing but they really blew this out with another six part season essentially it was wild so to catch you guys up on new year's day there was a second part of the curious case of natalia grace and it's called natalia speaks and it contains extensive interviews with natalia and it's really the first time we've heard from her in detail about what really went on this is the first time any of us have heard from her or like oh, no. as i think i am sort of like a more casual viewer like i watched both documentaries and i feel like you are the one you're on reddit you're di- diving oh, yeah. deep like has, has is this the first time she like has she sort of like has her voice been part of this at all more quietly or is this really the first time she's been like okay i'm ready to speak it's a good question no i mean she's been on dr phil right okay she gave some interviews when that story first broke but i feel like she has never really gone into depth about like what really okay. happened i think when the first story first broke it was like is she eight or is she 22? And she was out here saying like, I was eight, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in the documentary, Natalia goes into detail about the abuse that she suffered at the hands of the Barnetts, particularly Christine, and exposes a number of their lies and basically how deep this conspiracy to paint her as a sociopathic adult went. There, there were just so many lies. I mean, for one, like Michael lied about Natalia's adoption being closed, which seems like such a small thing. But it really just shows like how deep they thought about it of mm-hmm. thinking like, OK, so people aren't going to question my claims if they think the adoption is closed and they think they can't go back and dig into her previous families. Mm-hmm. 
maniacal. I was going to say, I was like, evil was what I was thinking, yeah. but maniacal, I like. And there was, and she pretty much refuted all of the Barnett's claims of violence. The big one, I feel, that made all the headlines was like her standing at their bed holding the knife, which like, all things considered, I feel if that were to happen in a vacuum when you're dealing with like a severely abused child is not that yeah. out of the realm of possibility, I feel like just That's what I came away thinking too. Yeah. Yes. Um, but Natalia said that uh, the Barnett's bed was like eye level for her because we're remembering she has like a rare form of dysplasia and is, you know, very small. And also she can't even grip right. a knife because of her disability, which I feel like hearing these things, I was like, why did nobody questioned this myself included why mm -hmm. did nobody publicly question these claims the big one too was that they really i remember when the story first broke the reason it was this whole quote-unquote mystery was because the barnett's put forth this narrative that because of her disability there's no way to tell how old she is and we were like oh that's weird hmm but like apparently that's not i that, <laughs> that's not yeah. true at all and they're totally there there are many ways to tell and i'm like why why did we why did the media never just ask one expert for these articles. I, well, that was like, <laughs> that was definitely the biggest shock to me is that like after watching the first season, I mean, I think, because I remember I think when like the Daily Mail article came out, mm -hmm. everyone was like, oh my God, it was actually an adult. And I remember oh, like, the you Mail. were like, no, this couple is wild. Like you cannot trust them. <laughs> yeah. But still, I came away from the first documentary as like, guess there's no way to know. There yeah. are many, many, <laughs> many ways to know. Like I cannot believe the first season definitely like willfully did not make clear that like the only thing that they brought to the court was a letter from a, a doctor who was a family friend. Yeah. One dude is is insane. And then within like, I'm sure you'll get to it, but like within, you know, the first or second episode, they're like looking at the baby teeth. I, I guess I just took yes, for granted. I was like, like, duh, baby teeth. We're so fucking duh. dumb. Certainly the consequences <laughs> of calling an eight-year-old an adult, like I just... I just assumed that they had gone to the most thorough length, that the court, that somebody there. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, this is the tragedy of her story is like at every single opportunity when somebody just had to be like adequate at their job. Yeah, adequate, yes. Adequate empathy, have adequate curiosity. They just did not. And I and this has made me question like even my own, like, oh, is I curious enough about the curious case? No, I don't know. I think so too, because especially Part one was a very, yes, part one was, is she, adult, is she an adult, is she a child? And all these behaviors, quote unquote, that they would use to point to her being an adult. I am a very, you know, average person, not an expert in this field. But even me watching this was like, okay, so, so she got her period early, like big right. fucking whoop. Oh my God, she, you know, maybe she's acting hypersexualized for a child. Like that is a common sign of abuse. Like I'm just mm -hmm. standing or there. Or maybe she's 12. Like, yeah. you know, I, you I know, remember maybe, when this first came out. Between yes. eight and 22. Right. Like <laughs> the window, yes, cannot, does not have to be. Like these are not the only two scenarios. <laughs> totally. Ugh, okay. So, I feel like that says something very particular about womanhood. Like you're either a, <laughs> a, like a woman with like child, like your child with a virginal child who's like not like allowed to say anything or you're, you're a woman in her 30s. Yes, not a girl, not yet a woman. <laughs> right. Um, and so in the documentary, which I feel they... This this waited way too long. This should have happened way earlier, just in life. But yeah. she did a blood test, which surprisingly not found that Natalia is about twenty two years old now. Which yes means that she was indeed a child when she lived in the Barnetts with the Barnetts. She would have been like nine or ten in twenty ten. So like she was unequivocally in fact, conversation over. Like, yeah, like that I, with the baby teeth. Okay. Yeah, I 
judge what's what's going on here yeah. i feel the the part where they did because the the way that they like they test her blood they test everything about her and for me there was such a like dissonance between like this company clearly does not exist for crime solving purposes like they seem to be a, like <laughs> super like health bro people that want to opt have too much money really want to optimize themselves <laughs> like drink their kids bloods like those yes. types because the founders were definitely like those type like silicon valley adult male blondes and then the, like the, in, but they're like doing this in the context of this like very dark disturbing yeah. upsetting like thing and it was just like such a strange like contrast <laughs> yeah they're like, like one of those longevity yeah, companies yeah, yeah. totally <laughs> that's so funny so I, I think the big question that everybody asking watching the documentary is just like okay why like why why would you adopt this child that you clearly have no interest in caring for to the you know nefarious end of like that you're going to abuse like why why would you do this the answer surprisingly I think was money because I was thinking maybe it's money like you get money from the state I don't know but I'm like how much is that really you know people with disabilities really struggle to even claim disability benefits and it's not really enough to live on but the answer is again a bit more of a conspiracy than that when it comes to the plant-based eating debate there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Um, if you remember from part one, Christine and Michael's one son, Jacob, was this genius. And Christine had like written a book about him and apparently he was getting optioned into a movie, which I don't know if I believe. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but apparently Christine was going around and saying that she made her son, Jacob, into a genius because, I don't know, she's just such an amazing homeschool teacher or something. And she even wrote this book called The Spark, A Mother's Story of Nurturing Genius and Autism. I don't. Okay, they said she got a $600,000 advance. I don't believe that either. No. We know people that write books. People get six figures. That's crazy. That's yeah. like you're already kind of had a hit. Like, yes. that, that's bananas. And nothing about their lifestyle indicates that, like, I don't know, if you squandered six hundred k that fast that you needed to, like, steal a kid from Ukraine and then... Uh. Uh, there's a lot going on there. Well, I feel like it was on there like 14 couches. That's the one <laughs> right. thing I remember right. from the first part. Exactly. I was like, what are you doing, Michael? Yeah, I didn't believe that. No. I was like, I'm going to need that receipt. Because I feel like even the blindside family did not right. get an no. advance that big. Yeah. And I have never heard this of this family. this was just a normal smart son, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had never heard of this family before this. So I'm like, I don't think you got that much yeah. money. And I, I also, well, we'll have to fact check that. But yeah, so... Apparently, this was a big payday. So Christine wanted to adopt a disabled child and make that child a genius and then get more fame and money off of that claim. 
And then when Natalia was not a genius, but like just a normal kid hitting normal benchmarks, which I think is pretty incredible mm-hmm. because this is a kid Absolutely. who's been through trauma. I think that's great. Um, that's when they kind of concocted this plan to just get rid of her because in Indiana, I think um, a disabled child is a dependent for at least 21 years. Mm-hmm. So that was why they were like, all right, we got to get rid of her. We don't want to be responsible for her. And they re-aged her to 22. 22, which is conveniently one year older than than 21. I just can't believe that this worked. I know. These fools. Like one (laughs) one single, one letter. Like it just, that was the biggest surprise to me was like, I don't think the first season, because the first season, I mean, and we'll get to it. Like, I hate these filmmakers. This is so irresponsible. Like it's all for entertainment value and keeping people tuning in. It's made me question my consumption of true crime, probably belatedly. Oh, whatever. Like overall. (laughs) Like the first season, like they could have made it more clear. Like they, it just was not clear enough to me as a consumer. They really just, I don't know if they said this, but it just seemed like it. they had exhausted all the ways to find out what her age was. No, I agree. If, if a judge were to be like, yes, sure. Because the consequences of that, specifically the abandoning an eight, like eight to 10 year old in a rough neighborhood in an with up- no yes. food upstairs. And she really... She really like like the like the DePaul said like people with her condition typically have to get a lot of surgeries early in life to yeah. make their later life um you know easier and to ensure their mobility and like just the consequences of that decision yeah the fact that they made it so lightly and is just is is wild it's wild yes and I feel like we'll we'll definitely talk about this because I I don't feel like they interrogated Michael nearly enough absolutely not. Uh, so and speaking of Michael so they have this reconciliation so. They agree to meet, which in what I believe is the first time since he got acquitted on these charges related to child abandonment, which was also such BS, by the way. Shocking. Couldn't believe that. How did they justify acquitting him? Because she was an adult? Because legally she is an adult? Yes, it was such a technicality from the end of the first documentary, if I remember correctly. They were basically like, you can't bring up her age at all. Like, you can't say child, adult, nothing. And the whole case hinges on her being a child. Like, how are you going to have a child child. abandonment case and not be allowed to say the word child? (laughs) Like this poor person, like having a murder trial and not being able able to Mm -hmm. say that somebody died. Like what? Totally. So it was like a complete anatomy of a fall in France. You can say anything. (laughs) Shout at them, whatever you want. (laughs) Oh my God. In the law and order universe, you can do that too. (laughs) So their first meeting does not go well because, um, which I forgot to mention, but Natalia gets eventually adopted by this family, uh, the Manses, and there's uh, Bishop Antoine and Cynthia. So her dad, quote unquote, Antoine, comes with her to this meeting and basically goes off on Michael because Michael won't promise to stop cursing. And like, there's this moment where Michael even just says like, oh, I don't even know what the hell was going on. And that really sets uh, Bishop Antoine off and... He kind of freaks out at him, and Michael also just freaks out and storms off, which might have been the one time I was on Michael's side. Yeah, I was yeah. like, he wasn't even like, you know, fuck Jesus. He literally, <laughs> <laughs> he just right. said like, what the hell? Right. So that didn't go well. Then the second one kind of goes better. Eh. Like Michael. That was so painful to watch yeah. her just like weeping while these two men in her life are like just going at it, being insane, being volatile, being like led by ego. It was so hard to watch. Okay. Also, I feel we have to talk about the second meeting because Michael, I took a picture of this with my phone because I was like, what's going on? Michael is wearing like 
a t-shirt with a penguin on it and a backwards baseball cap. I'm like, that's, that's your outfit. Chose. That's what he chose to wear. He made a choice that day. Yes. I'm like, not a collared shirt. What's going on? So I feel that was the level that he gave a fuck. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and this one eventually sort of goes better. Like Michael eventually apologizes for like not being stronger to stand up to Christine. But that's really the extent of the apology we get from him. Yeah. I I mean, it's not my apology to accept. She was maddeningly generous to him, I found, which seems yes. to owe a lot to like her her faith that the that oh, the man's a hundred percent. Um, I'm sure not given her any choice but to fully, fully, like, fully um, take on as her own. A hundred percent, because it ends with this scene of, like, Natalia saying that she forgives Michael and praying over him. What I thought was wild was that Michael was like, I'm ready. I'm here to, like, be open and honest and take accountability, you know, like, stuff all the Real Housewives say. (laughs) Um, But he notably refuses to talk about the reaging. Like, that topic is off the table. Because that opens him back up to liability, probably. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, Yes. After the first documentary, I was like Googling double jeopardy. I was like, Mm. how can we fuck I was surprised (laughs) how much. Because as soon as they said that, I was like, what are we even going to do here for four more episodes? Yeah. And that just speaks to how many terrible things happened to her that like, fine, you don't even have to mention the age and you can talk about just the abuse in the home. Yeah. Like even if it even if it happened while she was an adult was appalling. Yes. Yes. And this this was also uh, image sticks in my head when he leaves the meeting Michael goes forgiveness is good forgiveness wipes it all away and then he literally gets in his convertible and just drives away he's so pathetic it doesn't wipe it all away like are you out of your mind that part made me angry he deeply believes that yeah for sure like without like no recognition of the fact that like Natalia chose to forgive him for her Sure. For her peace of mind. Totally. But he definitely was just like, oh, she's, we're fine. We're all fine. Yeah, like, it's I'm all good. Gone. It's <laughs> all gone. It's like, no, that's just, she's going to move on and try to find something productive in her life. Yes. And not like harbor resentment. Yeah, yeah. So, oh my God. Throughout this documentary, we hear from Natalia's new guardian, Cynthia and Antoine Manns. And throughout, they are Natalia's champions and they yeah. speak very highly of her. And we're like, fucking finally, some adults in her life who are looking out for her. Not adults I'd want to spend my time with, no. but adults that definitely seemed like they had cared for her materially enough yes. enough to the extent that they could. And like she clearly felt loved. Yes. I was like, you know, I'm with you. Not yeah. my type of people for sure. Uh, I'm sure it's mutual. <laughs> <but> <laughs> <laughs> um, and Natalia met Cynthia through a neighbor when she was living alone in Lafayette, when she was like in that apartment, when she was legally 23, but actually nine-ish. The couple have multiple children, including Genesis, who in the documentary recounts a time when Natalia bit her when she was a baby and Natalia was 10. But like they yeah. they were kind of like, eh, it was fine. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I did notice a couple people on Reddit also misunderstood this part because my subtitles said um, Natalia beat me. Oh, no. And so I actually inferred Natalia beat her as a baby to a degree that resulted in Genesis's special needs now oh god and so that is very different from she bit me when i was yes. a baby but it was bit Jeez. it was bit yeah, that... there, yeah just in case anyone else <laughs> gotta double check those yeah, captions, got the wrong captions. <laughs> yeah um but i think they kind of said you know there was this incident but you know nothing outside the norm of like sibling fighting and in episode five bishop antoine says there's nothing dangerous about natalia at all absolutely not 
and they kind of all agree. I bit my siblings. Yeah, I'm like, I bit what? my siblings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they were babies, but I bit them. Yeah, I, that Sorry. that did not seem like a, a smoking gun yeah, to me. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, sure. Like, who hasn't done that? And he, Cynthia, and Natalia um, all agree that she had some behavioral issues yeah. when she first came to live with them, which is very understandable under the circumstances. Yeah. Um. And the penultimate scene of the documentary shows Natalia, who actually at this point is legally and actually an adult, being formally adopted by the mans. And it's very heartwarming. It's really like, I was like, oh, what a great way to end this. Like, you know, she finally got her family. They're crying. I'm crying. Everybody's happy. Yeah. And the fact <laughs> that like, even though she's an adult, that was still meaningful for her yes. to make them her parents. Yes. Yeah. Agree. And, and they still were, you know, happy to go through that step and everything. Yeah. But the documentary ends with this sort of bombshell, a recording of the man's calling the producers of the documentary six months after Natalia's adoption and two weeks before the release of the documentary. Basically, it's this voiceover of uh, Bishop Antoine's voice, and he says, something ain't right with Natalia. This girl is tweaking. I feel like she's an enemy in the house. And she said to us, we have held her hostage, made us look like we're the enemy. And then Cynthia says... Natalia is stabbing her family in the back over a complete lie. And then Antoine continues, she's done other things too, but this was a new low. Natalia does not have emotions for nothing but herself. We're done. We're done with her. And they say, the producers say they got this call like two weeks before. Yes. It was going to air. Yes. I mean, what, what do you make of this twist? Well, it's confusing because... People are saying that right now Natalia has a TikTok and the mans are commenting like nice things on it. So people are suggesting that like, so to me, it just felt very manipulative for a number of reasons. Number one, like what's unacceptable to me is sort of anything. I feel like they still want you to be open to the possibility she was an adult the whole time. Yes. And that is that is closed. Like the fact something ain't right with her, like. And and that to me is so irresponsible. Like yeah. they want you, like they want to indicate that like maybe the Barnetts were onto something. They yes, want you to think like do. there's a read, but really what they're just trying to convey is like really we want you to stick around for the rest of the story. And to me, like it just feels like Natalia, she she probably made money from this. This is probably the only way she can make money. So it just feels like at this point, she's sort of like at the mercy of how Mm. much more she can kind of like pull from her story. Yeah. And it seems to me based on the, like, there's just some social media spotter that suggests she is on fine terms with the mans. They're helping her raise money. I I don't know. To me, it just felt like the mans, the producers, and Natalia working together to orchestrate a season three. Okay, I like the idea of Natalia being in on this because otherwise, I hope, but I don't. Know. I would hope because I don't think yeah. it was her idea. I I do like. Well, I guess there's so much to talk about. Like the man's like again. I think they love Natalia to the extent they can also materially benefit from her. Well, yes, because we have a section on their okay. their social media presence. But just going on this twist, it's like yeah. okay. I just feel this family to me are not reliable narrators. Like you know, going off of how. They blew up at Michael, who is a grown adult man, for using the word hell. Like, what do I think Natalia exactly. did? Did she miss church one right. time? Like, right. exactly. Did she say, God damn it? You know, like, totally. I was like, fuck this. I, you know, <laughs> and no one, I guess I feel I'm happy to be wrong in this instance, but like, 
throughout her life, nobody has given this girl the benefit of the doubt. No. And like, I will give it to her now. Like, right. I, same. I'm just like, I, I don't trust this at all. And maybe you're right. Maybe I shouldn't watch a third part because there probably is going to be one now. Yeah. Because we'll watch it. <laughs> uh, no, we're the problem. Because that's even the thing where it's like, even if she yeah. was violent, that part can easily be sort of understood or put into context with, again, the fact that she suffered severe childhood trauma. And I don't think, if again, if they had one childhood abuse expert and not just like that blonde mm -hmm. prosecutor lady right, right. to just like talk about this stuff, I feel like everybody would be like, yes, I can understand this may be scary if you're living in a home with like a kid who's acting out or something, but yeah. like, but it's also, it also doesn't mean that they're in a horror movie. Like, mm -hmm. right. It feels like they want like for us to just sort of forget everything about her past, all of the trauma. Like, yeah. Again, when I was like doing deep dives on Reddit, a lot of like child psychologists, social workers were explaining that even if she did have a knife, like, the extent to which I feel like something the second season really strongly suggested more than even the first was that she was definitely sexually abused as a very young child. It suggested that. And the type of like the type of trauma that results from that and the degree to which kids act out like mm -hmm. has gone even farther. So it almost seems like they're yeah. trying to set it up like like a long term like TLC type family thing where it's oh, like God. now now we're in the like chapter two where we're just but but the specter of her maybe having manipulated everyone around her is always going to be part of like is always going to be in that, and that feels kind of irresponsible. Yeah, it just seems ridiculous. Like, she, yes, like, we've established she was a child, and... Yeah. yeah, and I just, I there are, there are ways, like, she is entitled as a disabled adult to help from, like, the state, and it just seems like mm -hmm. nobody is, like, has ever bothered to to help her get it. Like, even if yeah. man's... Like if the Barnetts didn't want to live with her when she was an adult and they wanted her to like, yeah, it would have probably taken them a couple months to figure out how to get her like all the adaptive stuff that she needed. And if she had a $600,000 advance, I don't know that why that was like, why that was such a problem. But I guess <laughs> yeah. the fact that she's like a volatile, potentially violent person yeah, is just, that's like not really worth, okay, so are a lot of people. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. And I also, I feel like we forgot to mention, but Christine has not... Um, responded to any of the allegations it which i feel like yeah it was a little i mean michael has a, a good sort of out right now mm -hmm. because he's Definitely. he's been pinning it all on christine and to be fair natalia does seem to corroborate his story for the most part mm -hmm. of course he was definitely an enabler and complacent in this abuse so he's definitely culpable but it doesn't seem like he was the main perpetrator but yeah i don't know at this point i don't know if she's gonna comment Probably not. Yeah. I'm I was sure her reading, attorneys are like, yeah. don't say shit. Right. And I even, I was reading again on Reddit that like she has like stands, Christine. Ew. Like she has what? like people that like fully think that she was in the right and that like she just had to protect her own, her own children. What did you think about her discussion with, she was really confrontational with that former neighbor. Natalia. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think she had every right yeah. to be like, again, these adults, you would think that they would be like, Oh my God, I am so sorry. I didn't know. And look, like the general public, I, you know, I initially sort of believe the Barnett's just even in the sense of like not immediately dismissing this and entertaining this whole quote unquote mystery. Like mm -hmm. we all believe them to an extent. But then when you're proven to be false, I feel like especially as the adult, you have to just fucking eat it and be like, I'm so sorry. Totally. Exactly. Something interesting I was reading about 
um, and I'm not part of this community, so I can't speak for them, but like, it is not uncommon for people to assume that adults with dwarfism, that little people are children. And so I was reading some some like some interesting commentary about like obviously we can reserve a lot of ire for her neighbors in that terrible neighborhood who didn't even like they probably should have called the police just to try to get somebody in there to see what was happening. Yeah. But you know, if this person is repeatedly telling you that they're an adult, you know, like at a certain point maybe people were like it's not fair for me to question this. There's just so much there yeah. that was working that was working against her and yes. that everybody is has like everybody in the story has such a convenient out. Um, except for Natalia. No, you're right. I mean, I, I do understand that, especially when like yeah. she has been manipulated and like coerced into telling people that she's an adult. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I'm not going to fault them for believing what she's telling them. But I just feel like when you're confronted with the evidence, exactly. I would I would personally be breaking down. You know totally. what I mean? Like I would have been. I would be too ashamed to even show my face. Oh my gosh, for real. I'm like, why is this a catfish style confrontation? Like we're doing this off camera. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. I also just felt like this whole documentary didn't even need to be six parts. Like it was just six parts of like Natalia recounting this abuse that she suffered. And I was like, Look, I already believe this. Mm-hmm. I don't really need to hear it from the horse's mouth. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's how I felt too. And so it's like, it makes you think, how much do we need a season three? And I was actually, there was actually an article recently about the bad vegan lady. Oh, interesting. And how, like. Oh, she's been pissed. <laughs> right. The question is sort of like, what happens when you sell your story and yeah. you kind of exhausted it? And it's become the only way that you can make money. You have to add plot lines. And that sort of feels like maybe what she's doing. And she's just sort of like at the mercy of, you know, whatever pace these filmmakers want to tell their their fun. What for them is just like a a story they get to spin. So like, yeah, I do wonder if we would have like how much of that twist at the end was really a result of like, you know, a, a rift between the mans and how much was like a coordinated effort between all of them to keep the story going. Interesting. I mean, that's a sort of dystopian, but yeah. also kind of optimistic take in yeah. the same way. Like I, yeah, in the so sense funny. that like, yeah. I hope that Natalia's in on it because my immediate sense was like, oh, these people are trying to fucking sell her out. So right. I hope she's not being exploited again. Right. Like the bad vegan lady, I'll, she basically like people wanted her to do another season with Netflix, and she's like, "I'm not. Sh- I'm never going back to Netflix." Yeah, I don't blame her. Yeah, they made totally. her look pretty bad. They but wanted also her to like reopen it, and they're basically like holding like all these people were like oh, paying man. her rent to like try to reopen the restaurant, and now basically she's like, "I can't." She's just back to being in insane debt because she won't. She won't do it. But it is oh, no. just so interesting. Like once, what happens after you sell you, your story, and then it becomes your whole brand, your whole livelihood. Oh no! Yeah, interesting. She's a non-disabled white straight woman who is in control of her destiny and Natalia Grace was Yeah, not. no, totally. I know. Ugh, the bad vegan lady, that would be another episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so as far as what's going on now, so I mean, we'll have to wait for the doc and maybe we won't watch it, but TBD. Right. Um, but thankfully the good folks at Business Insider did some did a social media deep dive to try to clear things up. I did some digging of my own. Hashtag journalism. <laughs> <laughs> so this is assuming the man's called the producers around mid-December just based on the the screen or whatever. The reps at ID refused to confirm the timeline, which is interesting. Um, so on December 26th, which would have been right around this voicemail comes through, the man's family TikTok account, that exists, paused to, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> process. <laughs> they posted that Natalia had launched her own account 
and I'm not going to say the handle because I'm not giving them the publicity, but they have close to 32,000 followers on TikTok and around 10K on Instagram. And they post videos of the kids getting like baptized Mm -hmm. and they have videos of Natalia just like talking to the camera, like lip syncing and stuff. Um, And I think their Instagram feed is pretty like Natalia heavy. So that, that post that they made about Natalia's TikTok had hashtags um, mama baby is growing up mm-hmm. hashtag family is forever interesting hashtag go follow baby's page so at this right. point there's there doesn't seem to be bad blood a December 29th post on Natalia's account has a picture of her and the man's family um, and the caption reads 2023 was amazing but 2023 is gonna be awesome um, and the hashtags include family forever and it tags the man's account um, and then the man's family commented on that and they wrote, I love you so much. My forever baby. Natalia commented back. I love you, mama. So again, like and we think the, like based on what you said, those comments would have had to come after this phone call to the producers after yes. or right around the yeah. time of this phone call. So I feel like that's a little interesting. And they've also commented what like we can't say anything about what's happening next. And but Natalia has said, I'm OK, I'm safe. Yes. So she posted on Instagram on Friday uh to let people know that she's safe. She was like, I'm okay and doing well and thank you all for your support and prayers. I wish I could tell you more about the show, but I signed an agreement with the show to keep things confidential for now. I will let you guys know when I can for sure, but just know I am okay. Love y'all. Hashtag safe. Hashtag living my best life. Mm. Interesting. I just can't imagine like, like like being one of these filmmakers and like going to Italian and be like, okay, here's an end. Like continuing to like, oppress her kind of and silence her and now they're like participating in that and yeah why would gross. we not fucking end on a beautiful happy end? right like i i was like i this was a twist that nobody saw coming because like it yeah. should have been over did you know <laughs> that it was because i knew it ended with a twist before i started no, watching I didn't. it and for some reason like i did feel like it was hard to keep watching all of those episodes it's six episodes but they were all like right around 40 minutes so, yeah so it's pretty quick they really tried to stretch it but i did feel like i had like I kept wanting to spoil it for myself, but I did feel like I had like a responsibility to like not just to mm. like hear her to hear everything and not 100%. just look for like the the entertaining climax that I wanted to to get to. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, it's not easy to sit through, but I feel like if you're interested in the story, you know, you should hear the fake her plants out. were driving me crazy. The fake plants <laughs> they were so ugly. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. That's yeah, so funny. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I. I didn't know that there was going to be a twist and I almost actually turned it off and I feel like that would have really changed my whole perception. It was definitely like I watched it in the rain last week with that like illness everybody in New York had. So (laughs) got through it in like three and a half hours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel overall, you know, I understand the necessity of creating a narrative and an arc, but I think both seasons and, and I will say the filmmakers I think did a really good job of including like a lot of people that they talked to mm-hmm. except for Natalia in the first season right. which was like the noting yeah. but I was like oh wow you got this neighbor and that neighbor and this that and the other and like didn't just you know recreate whatever Michael told you but I do feel like there was there there were just like things that it yeah. didn't need to be where I was just like if you actually follow the truth and and didn't there were, I remember this one Netflix documentary. I forgot what it was about, but it was like three parts. But then the third part was literally just like random people talking about conspiracy theories. Mm. Like it kind of felt like that yeah. where I was just like, if you didn't entertain all the like 
clearly false sideshow type that. stuff, yeah. this would have been much shorter. That's how I felt about the documentary about, I mean, I think, and this, I think their intention was to manipulate you in a way that made you think the one about yes. the, the woman who fell at the top of the, the Cecil Hotel one. Oh, that's the one I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. And yeah. it was like, it was like you were, the whole time, the whole time she fell in. Like, yes. That, that was always the case. And and the, yeah, but when when they're doing it without any, yeah, I hate that when they just spin your wheels or you're listening to a podcast and they explore a lead the whole time in the end, they give you a very obvious reason why, yeah. why that wasn't it. This kind of reminded me of like the like Kitty – like a modern day kind of like Kitty Genovese type thing where it's oh, like apparently that is not as clean cut as nobody called. Yes. There's just a little more a little more to it. That woman, like it was bad what happened and more people should have helped her. But if you actually look into it, there's like there's just a lot to explore about bystander effect yeah. and like people just being busy and living their lives and not really wanting to interfere yeah. because they think that, you know, yeah. This is, I mean, especially in New York, I hear screaming totally. all the time. Right. I'm always like, is this a murder scream or just like someone screaming, you know? <laughs> right. <Totally. laughs> so I get that. And there was a documentary on Netflix about that too. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess for now, I'm going to be monitoring the situation. Yes. Not a curious case whatsoever. Just no. a disturbing one. You're right. Just a disturbing one. And we've we've done it. We've cracked it. We've cracked it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on. Of course. On. Thanks. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you had thoughts about the documentary, let us know in the good old Facebook group, Not Know the True Crime group. You could DM me on Instagram and Not Know the True Crime or just slide right into my DMs. Sarah Lameem clearly have thoughts, so I want to hear it. And if you like the episode, please rate, review, subscribe, give us five stars. We super appreciate it. And other than that, as always, we thank you for listening and we'll be back next week. Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales-Pico, Sean Kilby, and Rebecca Sosmacat. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at Not Another True Crime on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send all of your emails to natc at betches.com. Betches.